Father, we just thank you for being in this place this morning. I thank you, God, that your, your word says where two or more are gathered, touching one thing, agreeing on it, Lord, you're in the midst of them. Father, we thank you, God, that you have loved on us so much, that your patience, your long suffering, your mercies are new every morning. Come and be with us as we worship at your feet, as we praise you and lift up your name. Father, come. We welcome your presence in this place. We welcome your spirit in this place. We welcome deliverance in this place. Oh, yeah. We welcome you. Mm, yeah. We welcome healing in this place. This day we gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Your presence in this place, your glory on our face, we're looking to the sky, descending like a cloud, waiting with us now, Lord. Fill our eyes Cause you're the reason we're here You're the reason we're singing Open up the heavens We want to see you Open up the floodgates A mighty river flowing from your heart Feeling every part of our praise Open up the heavens, we want to see you Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart Feeling every part of our praise Show us, show us your glory Show us, show us your power Show us Show us your glory, Lord. 
us your glory show us show us your power show us show us your glory Lord show us show us your glory show us show us your power show us show us your glory Lord so open up the heavens we want to see Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. The heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, and filling every part of our praise. Show us, show us your glory, show us, show us your power, show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us, show us your glory, show us, show us your power, show us. Show us your glory, Lord. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our praise. Open up the heavens. We want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, feeling every part of our praise. Open up the heavens, Lord. We want to see. We want to see open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, feeling every part of our praise. Thank you, Father, Father, thank you. You're a wonderful God. Amen. Yeah. Oh, Father, there's no one like you. There's no one beside you.
who controls the world I see and walks me through it all no
this morning that he's the only one for you. Oh, just sing it out to him. Sing. Oh, 
Just you and him. No one Lord, but you. We've been fasting for two weeks. I ain't fasting for just anybody. I'm fasting for the king. Because there's no one like him. There's no one like him.
Cause I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Cause your name is power your name is healing Your name is life Break every stronghold The shadows burn like a fire I just want to speak the name of Jesus
There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, there's no other name. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. 
break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Change everything and change for 
burning heart be holy ground show us your glory show us your glory in wonder and surrender we fall down show us your glory show us your glory let every burning heart be holy ground cause here as we wait seek your face come and make your throne upon our praise here in this place have your way the moment that we see you we are changed show us your glory show us your glory in wonder and surrender we fall down show us your glory show us your glory let every burning heart be holy so I love when the Holy Ghost begins to knit a service together. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom. Say freedom. Freedom to the prisoners, to recover sight to the blind, to set free those that are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. One of the things I wanted to pray about this morning was healing and deliverance. And when they started singing that song there's power in the name of jesus look i don't want to take a long time but i want to open the altars we're breaking the fast today and if there's some of you in this place that you need something to break we want to take time when we pray come we're going to pray this morning so i want to open the altars we're going to be real quick but if there's some of you that you've been looking for a healing there's things that you need healed there's things that you need delivered from listen in god's sovereignty i planned this this morning but i hadn't talked to the worship team the lord wants to do something down here this morning is your morning this morning is your moment come on worship team there's power in the name of jesus there's power he came to set free those that are oppressed he came to recover the sight of the blind he came and this morning thank you god thank you jesus hallelujah thank you jesus there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Glory, he can break them. He can set free those that are oppressed. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power. In the name of Jesus, there is power. In the name of Jesus, there is power. In the name of Jesus, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. 
Let's not leave this moment. This morning, let's pray for healing and deliverance. That's one of the core things that we pray for. Healing and deliverance. We're going to pray for ministries represented in the church. And let's pray for lost souls. There are people dying and going to hell. Come on, church. Healing and deliverance. Let's go to the king this morning. Father, we come before you today. And we pray, Lord, right now. There are people in bondage. God, there are people that need freedom. God, there are people that need healing, God. Right now. Just come on. Touch somebody who needs healing. Right now, God. We just pray that in the name of Jesus, Lord, your power, your healing touch. Would, oh, God, I pray that your healing touch, your power would flow throughout the auditorium, God, because you are the same, the yesterday, today, and forever. And just like the one filled with leper, if you touch me, you can. Jesus, touch us this morning. Jesus, touch us this morning. Oh, God. Oh, God. Bring about deliverance, God. Bring about deliverance, Lord. God, that people can walk free. God, free from the bondage, free from the sin that so easily entangles them, oh God. Lord, we just pray that you bring about freedom. So much freedom. So much freedom, God. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, we came here this morning. We fasted. We've prayed because we want to see your glory. Because we want to see freedom. Because we want to see your power. God, because we are people. We are people that are hungry. We are people that desire for you, God. Lord, sanctify us. Oh, God, work in us, Jesus. Lord, we pray for ministries represented here at Life Church. Lord, children's ministry, youth ministry, life groups. God, every single ministry, the women's ministry, God. We pray for the worship team. Lord, cover a blanket. Cover our church, oh God. Lord, ministries that haven't even been birthed yet, oh God. That we could be ascending church. That we could raise up leaders. That we could be effective in our discipleship process, God. Jesus, 
Use us, Jesus. Use us, Jesus. We pray that you you empower the leaders over these specific ministries. God, we pray you you tear down the the bondage. You tear down the the strongholds, God, that are standing in the place of forward movement in Jesus' name. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And we pray that in the name of Jesus, we would successfully move forward as a church. We would successfully move forward in ministering to this community. God, that we could touch lost souls, Lord. We pray that you would regenerate men's souls. God, there would be an anointing here for people to be saved, God. Lord, we break, we pray you break the scales off of their eyes of the family members. We pray you break scales off of their eyes. And we pray that in the name of Jesus, lost souls would come in, God. Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory. Let's sing that chorus one more time. The show us your glory. That's what we desire. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Let us behold. Let us behold. Let us behold the glory. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let us behold your glory. It's right here. You fasted for this moment. You prayed for this moment. Come on, church. God's doing something this morning. And we're going to be sensitive to it. We're going to be sensitive. We're not so married to the structure. We're going to be sensitive. Come on, church. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this. God is doing something. This is not coincidence. We fasted for this moment. We prayed for this moment. Show us your glory. In wonder surrender we fall down show us your glory show us your glory let every burning heart be holy ground and chains fall fear You change everything He lies here And hope is found here Right now Jesus, you change everything Hold change for fear Bow here Right now Jesus, you change everything
Oh, speak to the mountain and let it be moved. Oh, speak to that mountain in front of you and let it be moved. Oh, yeah. Oh, that be raised up.
Jesus, the name of Jesus, come on, say his name, Jesus, 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 his name is wonderful, counselor, His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Wonderful Counselor. we praise you this morning and we give you thanks that we don't serve a man-made myth a man-made belief system we follow Jesus he is alive his name causes every demon to tremble. And at the sound of his name, people are set free. People are healed and miracles still take place. For at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. And where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. We declare liberty in this place. God, you have, you have already come and begun to move and set things in order and change and rearrange and make straight the paths in individuals' lives. And so now, Holy Spirit, we say, give us ears to hear what you are saying to the church in this hour. For the glory of his name and his kingdom purpose, let it come on earth as it is already in heaven in Jesus name we pray 
Amen. I said amen. 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 So be it. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to, you can be seated. We're going to go right into the message this morning. Thank you, worship team. I'm telling you, Josh, Pastor Josh, I'm so thankful you came up when you did because I was about to run from the back row and grab that microphone from you and read the very exact same scripture, say the very exact same thing. Amen. And I love it when God confirms Amen. things like that. I mean, I was like, I, 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 I got to get up there and get that microphone. That's what I was thinking, you know. And then I saw you here and I said, well, he's got the mic. Let's see what he's going to say. Man, it was right on. Praise God for that. Amen. You know, you may, you, you may be here this morning, and this just seems a little weird, that, you know, at this time, you're thinking, well, I thought they started about an hour ago, and uh, what is all this? What's going on? You know, I mean, isn't everything supposed to be done decent and in order? It's been decent, and it's been in order, because that's what Holy Spirit wanted to do this morning, and that's how he wanted to do it. Come on now. That's what he wants to do, and we're just going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, I've got a message this morning that I'm going to bring to you that, that just fits with this, because this is what God's been burning in my heart for, for almost two weeks now. And we're going to be looking in the book of Joshua, chapter 3. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, we'll be putting scriptures up on the screen so you can follow along. And... Um, but, man, I just woke early this morning, went to bed late, but woke up early this morning with a great anticipation uh, for what God is wanting to speak to us this morning. Um, in Joshua chapter 3, it says, after three days, well, let's, let me just back up. Let me tell you where we're at. And, and um, Moses has died. Joshua is now in charge. God has put Joshua in charge. Joshua was that faithful one who stood by Moses' side, and we could talk about all those things before. But they're now at the point where they're ready to cross the River Jordan into the Promised Land. You remember? Uh, God had called them out of Egypt to give them the Promised Land, that, but because of their unbelief, they wandered for 40 years till that generation died off. They're now ready to cross over, and God is speaking to Joshua, and then Joshua is going to be speaking to the people of Israel how they're going to make that crossing. But there's a, something in here I want to show you. So it says, after three days, the officers uh, went throughout the camp giving orders to the people when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Now, you and I are sitting there going, we have no idea what that is, right? It's about 3,000 feet, or if you want to put it more common term. 10 football fields long, okay? So he's saying, uh, when you see the Ark of the Covenant moving out, you see the priest carrying it, he said, you're to get up and go after it, yet you're supposed to leave a space between you and it about 10 football fields long uh, by measure. And he says, do not come near it that you may know by which, which way you should go since you have not been this way 
before. And that's the, the message title has never been this way before. Several years ago, many years ago now, um, my wife and I were driving to someplace in New Orleans. I don't remember where we were going or why we were there. And, um, but uh, we were unsure of which exit we were supposed to take in New Orleans. Or, or it was really not New Orleans proper, but, you know, the New Orleans metro area. Because we weren't sure which exit we were supposed to take to get to where we were going because we had never been that way before. We had never been to this place before, so we weren't sure. And some of you are thinking, well, duh, just get your phone out and put it in. But they didn't have cell phones then. And so there was no GPS. There wasn't, I mean, you used maps. Some of you don't even know what that is, but if you look in the back of your Bible, there's maps. You know, and uh, that's for people who, you know, they give directions. And so we knew we were kind of in the area. And, and, and here's the thing, uh, and my wife will tell you this, that, you know, I'm usually very good with being able to navigate with just, you know, kind of, under, kind of where we're at and, and get to where we're going. And, and that's not necessarily her strong suit. <laughs> and uh, so um, anyway, so I got off on the sex that, that I said that we're in, we're, we're, we're pretty close in the neighborhood of where we need to be, but not sure how to get there. And so um, we got off and, and we got off. And when we get to the end of the road, it's one way. You know, so then you got to go that way, and then you get down there, and, and now it's another one way, and, and, and it's not like you could turn around and go back where you started. It's all one way, and so we make these X number of turns, and the next thing you know, we're back on the same highway in New Orleans going back the same way, and gleefully, my wife looks at me and goes, we've already been this way, and... and um, I, I, I looked at her and I, I said, yes, I know we've been this way already, but I didn't know if you saw that beautiful tree that's blooming over there in that yard, and I wanted to make sure that you seen it, you saw it. And uh, yeah, yeah, you got to save face, right? She knew, she knew I, I'd messed up. I mean, I was admitting that. And, um, and we have, we, so we knew that wasn't the exit, so it was the next exit. We got to where we were going, whatever. But I point that out was because the fact that we got lost um, or misdirected because we had never been that way before. We'd never been to that place before. So and here's a saying, if you, have, if you don't get anything else this morning, you can't take people where you've never been. You can't take people where you've never been. I remember I was visiting a church one time, and, and, and there was such a heaviness in there, and the worship leader was doing his best to kind of pump and prime the people, whatever, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he's trying to take people where he's never been. And I knew immediately what the Lord was saying. The Lord was saying, he, he cannot lead people into the presence of God because he's never been there. So rather than go to him, I went to his pastor. And I said, I give you this to pray about, but this is what Holy Spirit said to me. And if you're looking for a breakthrough, there has to be a change. And I said, but you're the pastor. Well, unfortunately, that wasn't well received. 
because the person there was family to the pastor. And our friendship was broken at that point. It was not my intent to do that. I was just simply trying to relay what God had spoken. You can't take people where you've never been. And, and um, those of us who have lived long enough, and what I mean by that is that you've lived enough that you have seen the massive changes over the last numbers of decades. You understand when I say that we've never been this way before. Okay? The events of the past several years have led our nation, the world, uh, in a direction that it has never known. Uh, in fact, during the past couple of years, I can't tell you how many times we heard, I know you heard it, you probably said it. I can't wait till things get back to normal. Now, I'm not a prophet, but I can say with confidence, nothing will be normal again. Please understand what I'm saying. The only thing that'll be normal is the hairdryer setting on your hair blower where it has low, normal, and hot. That's normal. But as the world goes, nothing is going to be normal again. The new normal will be ways and ideas and policies that have never existed in America before. And some people might be thinking, well, that's real negative thinking. Or you're one of them doom and gloom preachers. And that's not it at all. It's just simple truth. These, these things as we have known them have and are continuing to change. And not just in America, but in the entire world has been brought to a precipice of the most challenging moments of our lifetimes. We have leaders in governments, business, science, medicine, finances. They're trying to deal with upheavals in their special arenas. And, and people, everyday people, are beginning to realize that we are not prepared for the things that we are facing. Just the last day or two, there's news coming out of Europe and, and out of the United States saying that we are very close on the precipice of a nuclear, of World War III. And, and, and generals in Washington are saying America is unprepared. America's fighting forces are unprepared. And if these missiles are launched, the very thing that we've, 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 we've said might, would probably never happen could very well happen. I'm not a doom and gloom. I'm just telling you things are progressing very quickly and changing. And it's like the old saying is once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in. Now, this shouldn't be a shock to anyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ because the Bible clearly tells us that there are going to be cataclysmic changes that are coming in the future. That's what Bible prophecy points out to us. And it's obviously that we can no longer rely on what has been familiar or what has happened before. Please hear me out. Don't write me off yet. Because some of you are looking at me like, I don't think I want to listen to this. Nor can we rely, listen to me, 
even on the way that God did things in the past. Now, God does not change. His word does not change. His message does not change. But what what I'm saying is that we cannot put God in such a box that we say the only way God can work is if he does it this way. In fact, I'm going to say this to you. We are in a whole new season, every one of us, okay? And while these times may be unprecedented and uncharted as far as we're concerned, just like I was didn't know where, which way to go in New Orleans that day, that day. I didn't have a GPS. I didn't have someone who knew the way. I didn't even have a map. I was trying to guess how to get there. Even though we're in uncharted times, these are not uncharted to God. I said they're not uncharted to God. God is in full control. He didn't wake up this morning. In fact, he didn't even go to sleep. He didn't wake up and go, oh, how did that happen? How did they do that? I just didn't see that one coming. No, my friends, just as much as God said to Joshua and the children of Israel who are standing on the edge of the promised land, God is now saying to his church today, you have never been this way before. Please hear me. This has been burning in me because the cry of our hearts is, yes, Lord, send revival. But somehow I think we are a hindrance to letting God move because we have in mind how that will look how it will happen, how it should happen, how and when and all those things. I'm just telling you, he told the Israelites, he says, you have never been this way before. And where we are today, we have never been this way before. God knows where we've been and God knows where we're going, where he wants us to go. Today's Christians are not any different than the people who of great faith who are listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we call the hall of faith, who had to grapple with things that they had not encountered before. And what is needed today is the church of Jesus Christ today needs unprecedented faith to accomplish God's unpressed purpose in unprecedented times. Last week we talked about how we saw Jesus told his disciples that they needed absolute faith. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it wasn't the amount, it was the type of faith. And we talked about the fact that it was absolute faith. And we said that absolute meant total, complete, outright, unqualified, unadulterated, utter, unconditional, unmodified, firm, fixed, unmovable faith. And that that type of faith comes by spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer, spending time in fasting, and focusing to establish our relationship with God. I'm not fasting to get more faith in faith. 
I'm, I'm fasting and praying and reading to know Jesus, to know God, and to know his ways. Because no matter what landscape is, your life looks like right now, sooner or later, turn to your neighbor and go, he's talking to me. <laughs> sooner or later, we all find ourselves navigating uncertain changes and transitions. I remember the first time I went to Scotland and, and, and we, we, it was a group of us and we had two vehicles and we, had, we literally had somebody in the front seat of every vehicle with maps because we didn't have GPS, maps to help us get to where we were going because Scotland, we found out, was the land of roundabouts. Lafayette has never, doesn't have a clue. I'm talking like every quarter mile, there's another roundabout. Half a mile, another roundabout. And here's the way it works, though. When you get, before you get on the roundabout, the roundabouts will have two to three lanes. Yes. But before you get on, there's one sign telling you this exit goes here, this exit goes here, this exit goes here, this one goes here, and this one goes here. So when you get on, it's like getting on a giant spider, you know, and you're going around, and the person with the map would say, and, and, and then somebody in the back seat would look at the sign to make sure the person with the map would get it right, because often they got it wrong. And we'd get on and go, we need the third one means you need the middle lane because when you'd go around the right one, we'd peel off and the next, you know, it was crazy. And, and the thing is, we went back and forth to the same hotel for several days, but by the end of the week, our minds were so blown and burned out trying to keep straight. One time we, we could see our hotel, like, a, straight as the crow flies, maybe a half a mile away, we went around the roundabout five times trying to find out which exit we're going. We feel so stupid because we've done this before. But at some point, things get so out of, you know, kilt that we, you're just like, ah! well, can I tell you something? And when that happens, that change, those transitions in our life have a sneaky way of, of, of shaking our confidence and magnifying our doubts. Because I'm telling you, all that's like, you know, the guy driving next to me, he's like, come on, Bob, how do we, I said, look, you've been driving this car for four days, you ought to know which one to get off at. But I mean, nobody knew. And, and then we lost the other car. They figured it out after the second time. And they got there going, where y'all been? Going around the roundabout. You know, I want to make a declaration to you before we get into this next part. Okay, and then I'll go quickly. I'm aware of the time. But understand two things I want you to understand from this. First, God has already equipped you to face the uncertainties of this life. 
And he has made known to you how to know his plan for your future. Okay? He's in control. He's already equipped you how to face the uncertainties. We don't have to be like the rest of the world, freaking out, we can go, my God is in control. <laughs> you know, the three Hebrew boys said God is able to deliver. But if he chooses not, he's still God and we're not gonna bow. See, that's the absolute kind of faith we need in this day. And that's why I'm so thankful for these words in Joshua chapter 3. Here they are after 40 years in the desert. The Israelites are about to move into the promised land that God has promised them. I was listening to it again this morning. And God said, I'm giving this to you even as I, gave, as I promised Moses. Even as I promised your ancestors. This promise is still alive for you. And I said, thank God for that. Thank God that the promise he told me 50 years ago is still alive today. Because it doesn't change, because God doesn't change. But he gave the Israelites a couple valuable lessons, and I want to share them with you this morning. The first one is this, and that is we must, since we are in unprecedented times and we've never been this way before, we must learn to keep sight of his presence. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 3, let's look at it again. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. There's two parts to this, this point. And the first one is this, when you see. We have to be able to see. And this deals with focus of attention, uh, the importance and priorities in our lives. It deals with our focus, our attention, our, the things that we deem important, all of those things. Listen, there are many things that are clamoring for our attention, but it is our responsibility. I am not Holy Ghost for you. Your spouse is not Holy Ghost for you. I'm just telling you, you individually, as a believer and follower of Christ, are responsible to determine what is important in your life. What are the things that are deemed necessary, the necessities of your life? What you may deem as necessary may not be for me, and what is necessary for me may not be so much for you. No, there are certain things that all of us deem necessary. I mean, just as air and water and food and nutrition and sleep are all necessary for physical health, there are certain things that are critical for our spiritual health, okay? And, and, and I've already talked about some of them. Uh, being, staying in the Word of God. You've got to get in the Word of God. You have to know what this Word says. If God is going to speak, to you 99% of the time, it's out of this word. 
You say, but it's already been written and it's thousands of years old. But when you're in a place and you've never been before, you can be reading that word and words will come alive by the spirit, by the Holy Ghost, the rhema of God and will grip you and you'll go, whoa, I've never seen that before. You know why? Because that word is for you now. You've got to spend time in the word, the Bible. That's what I'm talking about. You have to spend time in prayer. And prayer is not just talking. It's also listening. Talking to God. Listening to God. That's what prayer is. Fasting. Now, we're ending a two-week corporate fast. But can I tell you, this doesn't mean, okay, till next year, I don't fast anymore. This needs to, I'm telling you, if you want to see a breakthrough, you need to learn the discipline of fasting in your life. It may be that once a week you're going to skip food or once a week you're going to skip a meal or twice a week you're going to do without lunch, you know. And, and I've said this before, but in case there's any question, you know, I had a friend one time say, I'm skipping breakfast. I, all week long I'm fasting. I said, you don't eat breakfast. He said, I know. I said, you can't give up what you never have. I said, skip supper. Oh, man, that's my favorite meal. <laughs> then that, that would be a fast. Come on now. The result of, of these basic things in our life is that we, we get to know God better. We learn to hear his voice and we learn to be obedient to the leading of his Holy Spirit. Okay? I said there was two parts. One was seeing. The second one well, it says, look at this. It says, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, 3,000 feet by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go since you have not been this way before. The second part deals with following. We must see and then we must follow. Why is this so important? Because you cannot follow by leading. You know, if you're not following if you're in the lead. You know, you're not walking with someone if you're walking by yourself. You're just out for a walk by yourself. And, and oftentimes, Christians get off course by running ahead of God. Can I tell you that there are times that God will speak to you about something, show you something in different ways that God speaks to us, shows us things, and just because he shows us right then doesn't mean it's for that moment right there. Sometimes he's planting a seed. And sometimes he's saying now, and sometimes he's going, whoa. But we get ahead of God. And what happens is we get anxious. We get anxious for God to speak to us, direct us, help us. And so instead of waiting for God's direction, we decide to take the lead and ask for God's blessing on what we're doing. Let me tell you how to be in the will of God all the time in your life. 
Find out what God is doing and where he's leading you in regards to it. And you'll never have to ask God to bless it. Did you get that? Find out what God is doing and what your part is, or to be, if it's a part of it, to be a part of it. And if God is doing it, you're already blessed in doing it. But what happens so many times is we come up with our own plan, our own ideas. We come up with that, and then we go, let's pray that God will bless it. That'll be a red flag right then and there. I mean, did God say this is what you should do? Or did you just come up with this on your own? We need, we need God's direction. John Stott said, a Christian life began not with the decision, our decision to follow Christ, but with God's call to us to do so. No, we became a Christian because God called us to follow him, not because we chose to do it. God called us first. He said, come and follow me. Follow me. He didn't say, come and show me the way. He didn't say, come, get out in front and we'll follow behind you. That, that's not what it's all about. And there's another benefit in this understanding of, of, of focusing, uh, uh, learning to follow. And that is this. By directing the Israelites to keep their eyes on the ark, God redirect the focus of their journey from their uncertainties to his constancy. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you are afraid of high places? There you go. There's some of you. Have you ever been in where they wanted you to step out on a high, you know, a place that's really, really high up? And they go, don't look down. What? And so what do we do? <gasps> you know? Right, that's what we do. I remember when, they, when we had just not long years ago, I had taken my children across country and, and when they were still living with us and we had just gone to the Grand Canyon and right after that we read that where they were building that glass platform where you could walk out over the edge of the Grand, Grand Canyon in glass and I'm going, I don't care what they say. There's no way on God's green earth you'd get me to walk on that, that stuff right there. And somebody said, well, it's safe. And I said, until God goes, <laughs> I said, how do you think that big hole in the ground got there? I mean, you know, really, come on now. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that, you know. I, 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 I'd love to go jump out of an airplane with a parachute. If you could guarantee me that chute will open and I'm not going to break a leg on the way down, right? My, my point is simply this. He says, keep your eyes focused on the ark. Why? Because they're getting ready to walk through the Jordan River and the water's going to pull back. And he doesn't want them looking around. He doesn't want them getting doubts. He, he said, keep your eye on the ark. And what it does, it keeps their focus off of their uncertainties 
and onto the constancy of God. We have to keep our eyes focused on God so the very same things. God is saying, I know you haven't been this way before, but if you keep your eyes on me, I'll show you the way. Because God wants us to learn how to rely on him, how to depend on him, and how to trust him. And it's only then, only then, that we're going to be able to get out of our comfort zone and really learn how to follow him. The second thing, there's only two parts to this, okay, is that we need to learn to follow God's ways. Okay? First, we need to keep his presence in sight. And then we need to learn to follow God's ways. And there's two parts to this. And, and I put and I use the word learn. You know why? The word learn means to gain or acquire knowledge of or a skill. Knowledge of something or, or, or learn a skill, okay? We don't, when we are born, we are our own master. The nature of the way we are, we're in charge. And Jesus says, put down your cross, put down your life, pick up my cross and follow me. It doesn't come natural to follow God's ways. We have to learn how to follow God's ways. This is why I said we can't rely on the way things have always been. Doesn't mean God can't do it that way. But we tend to say he did it that way, so that's the way he's always going to do it. I heard years ago somebody say one time Jesus healed a blind man by uh, spitting in the ground and making mud and putting it in his eyes. Another time he just spit in a man's eyes. And another time he didn't spit at all. He told him just go wash and a pool. So if we had lived in those days, we would have had the church of the one spit, the church of the two spit, and the church of the no spit. Because we want to canonize the way that God did something before. I remember years ago, I heard Dr. David Yonggi Cho from, from Korea, who had a church of over a million people. And he came to New Orleans and he was teaching on prayer. And I heard him tell this story, and I'll tell it real quick, because it's really important for us to understand, even in the leading of the Holy Spirit, he talked about how he had been, at the time he was, if I remember right, the story was he was in New Zealand, and, and, and um, uh which has a large Islamic uh, population and everything. And he was preaching in a meeting, and, and in about two-thirds, three-fourths of the way through the meeting, he realized nobody was listening. They didn't believe a word he was saying. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, look, and in the balcony on the right-hand side, they had all these deaf people. And there was somebody there that was signing for him. He said, tell them to bring all the deaf people down. I'm going to heal them. And so they brought them all down, lined them up on the platform. He said, I know you don't believe in the Jesus who I say I've been telling you, but God is going to show you that he is real today. And he went to the first man and put his hands over his ears. Boom, his ears popped open. Went to the next one, next one, next one, all the way down the line, 20-something of them, all healed. Guess what? Didn't need to preach anymore. Altar call. Shoo! Here come all the people. 
Because God opened their eye, opened their ears, okay? The, he said a day or two later, he was in Japan, and he's preaching. And in Japan, the Christian community, there's less than 3% of the total population that's Christian, and he's preaching. And here, he's Korean, and if you know anything about World War, the China War, World War II, all that, the Koreans and J Japanese do not get, go, there's bad blood there, Okay. And he's preaching, and no one's listening. He knows no one's listening. And he looks and sees a deaf section up along the side, and someone is signing for them. And he remembers what God had just done like two days before. And so he calls for all the deaf to come down off the, where they are onto the platform. And he says, I'm going to show you that Jesus, who I'm preaching to you, is real. And so he gets some of the ministers on the platform with him. Come, pray with me. And he went to the first one, and he prayed, and nothing happened. And he prayed and nothing happened. By that time, he's really praying. Then he remembered one time Jesus stuck his fingers in somebody's ears. So he stuck his fingers in the guy's ears. Nothing happened. Then he thought, well, maybe I need to spit on him. And he stuck them in his ears and nothing happened. So he turns to one of the pastors and says, keep praying for him. I'm going to the next one. He went to the next one. Nothing happened. Went to the next one. He got halfway through. Nothing happened. Not one single one healed. And he got so upset that he ran off the platform and left those ministers there with all these people and everything else. He ran to his hotel room and he fell flat on his face on the bed. And he said, God, today you lost face. And if you know anything about the culture, Asian culture, saving face is a very important thing and not losing face. That's what they talk about. In other words, Lord, you lost credibility today. And, and, and he says, why did you not heal? You lost face. And God spoke to him and he says, he said, I didn't lose face today, you did. And he said, yes, but why didn't you heal? He said, I didn't tell you to bring them down and pray for them. But you did this there. He said, I told you to do that there. But I didn't tell you to do it here. He said, don't worry about my face. It'll be okay. You're the one that's got the problem. Ouch is right. See, because God did it one way, he thought God will always do it that way. We have to learn God's ways. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. This, has been, this verse has been misconstrued so many times. You hear preachers going, you know what a yoke is, and they'll liken it to an oxen yoke or whatever. And that's not what it means at all. In, in Hebraic terms, the yoke was the teachings of the rabbi or the teacher. And they would, so he was basically saying, take my teachings, take that which I am teaching and learn of me. For my yoke is easy, my burden, how, why? Because the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they made laws upon laws upon laws upon laws. It was impossible to keep those. And Jesus was saying, take my yoke and learn about it. And you can learn of me. And the only way we can learn is through God's word. And you can either 
you can either learn through God's word and by learning to listen, or you can learn through the school of hard knocks. But the school of hard knocks, that degree is hard. Pardon the pun. And there's often a penalty that comes with it. Deuteronomy 28 and 9 says, The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Psalm 86 and 11, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. So there's this thing about learning. We have to learn God's ways. And here's the thing about God's ways. God will sometimes move in seasons and in ways that we just don't understand. If, if, if we could write the script, we would never do it the way God does it. How many of you prayed and asked God to, to do something and told him how he could do it? How many of you, God did it that way? Because I've never met anybody yet who was able to tell God how it needed to be done. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that brings me back to the key that I mentioned earlier. This was the key to the whole message today. And that is because we have never been this way before, we can't rely on our past experiences. We must depend on the divine wisdom and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 30 and 21 says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. Joshua chapter three again. Look, let's go back and look at this part. Beginning with verse six, it says, and Joshua said to the priest, now God's already told Joshua what's gonna happen. So now Joshua is telling the people of Israel, and he says to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Remember, God told him, says, you're gonna, you're gonna go ahead, and, 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 but we gotta keep a space, but when you see the Ark move, you gotta go after it, okay? Verse eight, he says, tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now that's key. We're going to come back to that. We're going to skip down to verse 13 now. And it says, As soon as the priest who carry the ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. This is Joshua. He's speaking and telling them what's going to happen, not what is happening already. How many of you would think that's absolute faith? Unmovable. Can't be changed. He said, this is what's going to happen. When you put your feet in the water, he says, the water is going to be moved back and stand up in a heap. It says, so verse 14 says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And now the Jordan, look at this. Remember I said God's ways are not our ways. The Jordan River is at flood stage during the harvest. So when does God decide, let's cross the Jordan? 
not when it's shallow and almost dried up. Let's wait until it's flooded the banks 30 or 40 or 50 feet. Come on now. We can drive down the road and half the ditches around here are already overflowing. Imagine a river and God says, we're not going to cross till it floods. We're going to go, time out, God. Let's have a committee. Let's call a prayer meeting. We got to change God's mind. You're not going to change God's mind because God says, I'm going to get all the glory for this. It's going to be done my way. So it says, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. I love this. The water from upstream stopped flowing and it piled up in a heap. Look at this. In a t at a town called Adam, which is in the city vicinity of Zarethan, while the flowing, water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, which is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. In other words, when they put their feet in, they didn't see a wall of water just go straight up. It, it backpedaled upstream against the current. It went back and, and was flooding in a town upstream. And of course, naturally, since the upstream was no longer flowing, the downstream part quit flowing too. That's what it says. It said it was completely cut off. And then look at this. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I want you to see something. At least to me, this is what I'm seeing. God says, when, when the presence of God begins to move, go after it. And in the midst of it, you're going to see a miracle take place. And that they stood there with the ark as all of Israel crossed by it. So it was off in the distance, the water rolled back, they go by and they're able to see the ark of God, but they kept on going. There's just something to me that's so reverent about this that says we need the presence of God to be, we need to be reverent about the presence of God. Let's not demean it by making it common. Please hear my heart. But at the same time, it can be so real that we can see it as we're passing by. We see from a distance with a heart of reverence. I've seen people on social media and stuff who, who they're literally just mocking almost the presence of God by their flippant attitude. Let us remember he is a holy God, a God of fire, a God of mercy and grace, all of those things. But let's remember he's a holy God. 
and keep a proper attitude. And yet at the same time, we can rejoice in his presence when we see the miracles taking place. There has to be balance in that. The Israelites, they could have told Joshua, wait a minute, what do you mean we got to put our feet in the river first? That's not the way Moses did it. Forty years ago, our fathers told us, Moses stood up. We've seen, seen the movie, right? Behold the salvation of the Lord. And, the, and the, it just stood back, right? They didn't have to get in the water. This time, though, God says it's different. The priests have to get in. And when their feet hit the water in the flood banks, that's when the water started to be, be pulled back. So God was bringing Moses out of Egypt to bring him to the promised land. Now Joshua is actually crossing over Jordan to fulfill what God was, wanted to do 40 years before. It's the same God, but this time it's not, behold, see the salvation of God, let the waters roll back. No, they've got to walk down while the water's still flowing and put their feet in the water. Same God, same scenario, water's rolling back, different manner of crossing this time. First time they saw the water roll back. That's a little bit easier when the water's already rolled back. Come on now. We want God to do that for us so many times. God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. God said, no, that's not my way. You do what I told you to do, and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. You'll see the glory of God. We could sing, show me your glory, all we want. But if we're not willing to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, then it's not going to happen. Second time the waters were flooded over and they had to step in until their feet touched the water. They'd never been that way before. I said it earlier. I'm going to close and say this again. Because we've never been this way before, we cannot rely on our past experiences. We must depend on the divine wisdom and guidance of the Holy Spirit. This does not mean we cast aside everything that we have learned. No. It just means we can't rest on that. We can't rely on that is the only way God will do it. We can draw from something and say, we have seen God do this. We, we all know the story about how Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves. I've actually experienced food multiplication with pancakes. I have a witness. He was with me. We had enough to make one pancake. I said, brother, we're going to split the pancake down the middle. And God give thanks. And so we sat down before we ever, while the griddle was heating up and I had mixed up the pancake batter, what little bit we had was about like that much. And my friend Walt and I held hands and we thanked God for the pancakes. I don't know why we said pancakes, because we only had a pancake. 
enough for one big cake and we we're going to cut it in half. But he said, thank you, Lord, for the pancakes. We're so grateful, Lord God. And we give you thanks for providing that, Lord God. And so by that time, the griddle was hot and I went over and poured out the batter that we had and made a pancake. And Eric, I flipped that pancake over, beautiful brown. Didn't want to burn the only pancake, right? And, and uh, I got it done. It was fluffy, you know, and I pulled it off, put some butter on it, you know, went to turn off the griddle, and I looked in the bottom of the thing, and I said, that looks like more pancake better. <laughs> oh, it probably went down from the sides. I don't know how it would have got on the sides. We didn't have enough to hardly cross the bottom. I said, well, whatever, and I took a rubber spatula, and I scraped it out, and I said, we'll make another pancake. Made about a pancake about that big. I said, well, we get split two pancakes, brother. And, and, and I got done with that, and I went to turn off the griddle, and I looked, and I said, that looks like more pancake mix. And hair on the back of my head that I didn't have stood up. <laughs> and I was, I said, bro. And he's looking, he goes, he, he, he kicks off his shoes. I said, what you doing, man? Well, you put your sticky shoes back on. He said, man, we on holy ground. Keep making pancakes. <laughs> we made pancake after pancake after pancake after pancake. And, and we were eating whole pancakes, and I looked, and there was enough. More, one more, about that time, there was a knock at the door. Went to the door, and it was somebody there who said, uh, my, uh, my mama sent me down here. She was praying, and she said that you might want this. And the Pentecostal church down the street's got a fish fry at noontime, and here's two tickets she bought for you. I said, praise God. I said, we had pancakes, and now we're going to have a fish fry. And I went back and looked, and there was no more pancake better. I'm serious. We can laugh about it, but... But I'm like, whoa. I wouldn't, we didn't pray for that. We weren't expecting that. But God did that. To this day, if I make pancakes, which is very seldom, I'd never forget that. He's never done it since. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me close out and show you this. This verse, we didn't read it earlier. Joshua, verse 5, chapter 3, said, Consecrate, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Do you hear what I'm telling you? God said, Consecrate. Dedicate yourselves. Put your mind to it. Go after it with all your heart. Because God said, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I posted this in, on our Facebook private page for the church, but I'm just going to close with this story because it fits so well. In 1947, T.L. and Daisy Osborne were missionaries to India. In fact, if you read their resume, they failed miserably. 
But they were home in the States and they were at a meeting in Oregon by a man named William Branham. I'm not going to get into the things about Branham and all that. I'm just going to tell you what happened in the story. Branham was praying for a little deaf girl and was quietly, quite for, quietly but forcefully commanding the spirit of deafness to come out of her. Can I tell you, you can have authority without screaming. I've seen it. I think sometimes the reason we yell is to build our confidence. But if you, if you have authority and you know it, in the name of Jesus. I wish I could tell you a story, but I don't have time. He said he was quietly but forcefully commanding a spirit of deafness to come out of this little girl. And when Branham snapped his fingers, the little girl began to hear immediately. In that same moment, T.L. Osborne said, sitting in the audience watching this, he heard a voice say, if he can do it, you can do it. Now they've come home having failed and having seen zero to no, no fruit in India. And God speaks to them, if he can do it, you can do it. That's in 1947. Not long afterwards, they began holding miracle services of his own and healings and miracles began to take place and they would return back to India, but this time they were with signs following the preaching of the word. And let me emphasize that. There must be a renewed focus on rightly dividing the word of God. I love worship. I love it. I love fellowship. I love it. I love seeing people's lives change. But we must have the preaching of the word for it's the word of God that births faith in our lives. It's through the word of God, the preaching of the word that lives are changed, that the sword of the spirit goes forth and breaks the chains off of people's lives. When Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached, the people said, what must we be doing to be saved? Because it says they were pierced to the heart. They weren't pierced to the heart by their speaking in tongues. They were pierced to the heart by the preaching of the word of God. The preaching of the cross, the preaching of Jesus Christ. They went back to India and, and, and now signs were following the preaching. Thousands were coming to Christ, thousands. Whereas before they couldn't win one, two people to the Lord. By the end 
of their ministry. They had ministered in over 70 countries around the world with crowds in the tens of multiple tens of thousands with as many healings and miracles that took place. Why? Because they learned to listen and obey Holy Spirit. They did not say, we've never been this way before. We need to get that out of our vocabulary. We've never been this way before. Let us understand we've not been to where God, where we are today. And God is taking his church. He's leading his church. He's not leading it down some rabbit trail, some wild goose chase or whatever. He is leading his church in all truth. But we can either follow him and keep our eye on where the presence of God is. And if we do that and follow him, the miracles will follow, my friends. If your focus is on the miracles, you're going to lose sight of the presence of God. Right. And you'll fall into deception. The Bible says in the last days that they will do signs and wonders that would deceive even the very elect. We don't follow signs and wonders. We follow the one who created everything by the breath of his mouth, by his word. He upholds it together. There is a promised land out there for the church. And although we may be in unfamiliar territory, this to me is the most exciting time for to be living for Jesus Christ. Because Daniel 11:32 says, but the people, but the people, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That know their God, that know their God, that know their God. So we pay attention to his presence. We learn to heed his promptings. And as the Holy Spirit directs us through the throes and transitions of change, we remember we've never been this way before. He's leading us. We keep our focus on him and you won't go off the rails. You won't go off the wrong, wrong direction. You will follow him into that which he has promised for you. Can you stand together this morning? God has been speaking to some of you this morning. I believe he's been speaking to all of us, but especially to some of you. He's been speaking to you about some things and you're unsettled in your spirit. You're unsettled in here and you're trying to make sense of it. Can I, can I give you a word I believe Holy Spirit would have me give you. It is not unusual in unprecedented times to not know exactly the direction that he's trying to move us in. We want it all spelled out. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. It doesn't work that way. But I can tell you this, 
If you feel a stirring inside and Holy Spirit is stirring you, don't get ahead of them. Wait on him. The enemy so many times has defeated someone that God has called to do something great by telling them, you better hurry, you better hurry, you better hurry, you better hurry. Anytime, I've learned, anytime I'm being pressured to make a quick decision or anything, back off. God leads. He doesn't force. He didn't put your arm behind your back and go, come on, come on, let's go. Anytime I sense that, I just pull back because I can tell you story after story every time that I just went like a bull in a china shop saying, I'm going to take this for God. Crash, boom, bang. But if you have a stirring inside, don't be afraid to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. In fact, I want to pray for you right now, whoever you are. There's several of you. I can see it right now. I see if God is stirring something inside and you're trying to sort it out and make sense of it, whatever, but it's just stirring. And you know who you are. Raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. There's hands going up all over this place. I want to pray for you. And I want to tell you, you got to wait on him. You follow him. Where he leads, we will follow. Father, there's individuals that raise their hands all across this auditorium. They sense a stirring in their spirit. They don't even know how to word it, but there's something being stirred. There's... There, there's an excitement and at the same time apprehension and anxiety and, and they feel pressured to know, to make a decision, to choose a direction. Lord, the only direction we need to choose is to follow you and keep our eyes focused on you. And as you move, we follow I pray for the peace of God to rule their hearts. That's biblical. Let the peace of God rule or govern your heart. For in due season, that means in God's time, He will direct your paths. He will make clear the the way to go. He will open the doors that are not yet open. I said not yet open. They will open in due season, in God's time. And until that time, you seek Him. Seek Him in the Word. Seek Him in prayer. Seek Him by spending time with Him. Guard your time. I see a watch. 
I see like a hand tapping a watch to you saying, guard your time with him. For the thief wants to steal. He wants to steal your time with God, but you, he has no authority to do so unless you allow him to. I see it clearly, God tapping like a watch saying, guard your time with him. You put up the boundaries. You put up the boundaries around your life. Hmm, I see it. Jesus. Father, I thank you that we don't have to fret and we don't have to worry and fear because we've not been this way before. You know the way. You, there's nothing hidden from you, Lord God. Your word says, for the steps of a righteous man are ordered by you, ordained by you. Therefore, God, we just need to simply follow you, follow your leading, and know, just know that you are working all things together for the good of them who love you and are called according to your purpose. In due season, in due season, And now I pray for people to have faith. A faith that will expand the boundaries of what they have already known. A faith that will be a bold faith. Bold faith. Confident faith. A faith filled with assurance that when you say step into the waters, God, that they've heard you and that you are in control. For the days that we are facing are calling for a church with bold faith. An assurance in who you are. And we praise you, Lord, for that we will see great things done in our midst. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're not, if you're here today and you're not right with Jesus Christ and you're not right with the Lord, you've not surrendered your life to God. Can I tell you everything that I've talked about means nothing to you at this point until you know him in a personal way and you can know him before you leave today. And if you, afterwards, if you want me to pray with you, come on up here and I'll pray with you and I'll introduce you to my Jesus. I'll introduce you to him. Hallelujah. Father, bless your people as they leave this place today. Let them walk out of here with a confidence and assurance of who you are. Your calling is sure. Your spirit is secure in our hearts and lives and your word will not change on this we know in jesus name amen
Amen. If you need special prayer for anything, come. We'll have some people that will pray with you concerning those things. That's okay. We felt you when you did. 